Um, I work for a ministry called Fusion. I'm just going to share a little bit about something we've done recently. We've been going about 15 or so years. We connect students to churches all over the UK, and we want to see, help students find churches all over Europe. 30 million students in Europe. We want to help them find the church, and we want to help the church find the students. 30 million students in Europe. We want to equip and empower the local churches right across the nations to reach the students, the future leaders of society. And I know that's very much part of Paul and Tracy's heart and this church as well. Um, and one of the things we've done recently, we've discovered that in the UK, we need more courage to share the gospel. We need some wildness. We need some fire. We need some risk-taking. And um, about a year and a half ago, the team started to think about how can we encourage the church to go? How can we encourage young people to go? And based on Luke 10, um, inspired by Luke 10 about how Jesus sent out the 72 and he, he said not to take too much with you and to go into the, into the town and to, to stay with those who receive you, those who see you worthy. So we came up with this, um, this uh, initiative called Escape and Pray and we just thought we'll go as a few, uh, as members of the, the, there's about 20 on the team and we'll encourage students to come who, who might hear about it. And in that first year, a, a, a hundred, over a hundred students went on this. And what it involved was the students, those who went, um, would give a hundred pounds to the ministry. The hundred pounds would be spent on a plane ticket. The plane ticket will get you somewhere in Europe. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know. So they'd turn up at the airport, they'd have an envelope, they'd open up the envelope, and two, group, teams of two to four, and they'd go find out, we're going to Budapest, we're going to Berlin, we're going to Lisbon. They had no idea where they're going. They've got 20 euros in their back pocket for two days. Don't know where they're going. And we said, go, pray, preach the gospel, go and announce the kingdom of God has come. And um, uh, we sought a hundred people go out last year and in this year, um, we sent out a hundred teams to 70 locations all around Europe for 48 hours. None of these teams knew where they were going and they were just to find accommodation and they were to share the gospel, they were to pray in these university campuses, believing God is putting a seed of revival in Europe in the university campuses. But it's that kind of thing we see in the UK we need. Wildness, courage, fire, risk. Yes. And we need it in young people. We don't want just passivity. We want to go. So those are, those are the kinds of things we see in the UK we need. And maybe you need them here. Maybe you need a new level of challenge, a new level of risk taking. Um, the... the um, the kind of tagline of, uh, of our church plant as we're starting to explore what God wants us to do is a disciple the nations of the city to reach the cities of the nations. And myself and my friend, a couple of others, um, we've been looking at where we can go into some of the darkest places in the city to pray and to preach the gospel. So there's a place in Manchester called the Curry Mile. And it's just a mile of curry houses. And they're from the Pakistani community and the 
uh, Indian community and Arabs, and they have lots of curry houses, kebab houses. I love it. But in the last few years, they've, they've started um, opening up what's called shisha bars. Anyone know what shisha is? It's something you basically, it's like a big pipe you smoke and it's flavored tobacco, basically. Very, very popular. Um, a big hangout for a lot of young um, Arab guys in our city. So we just thought, we need to go in there to pray in there. I've got asthma. I don't like smoke. In the UK, you can't even smoke inside. <laughs> and yet, in these places, they're smoking. How they get away with that, I don't know. But it's that kind of dark, kind of, um, it's a, there's quite a lot of corruption around how these places operate. But we just wanted to be in these places just to pray in them. Just, and the waiters would come around and serve us tea and coffee. Um, and uh, we're just praying for them. We're praying in there. We're believing God, saying, God, what would it take for just a small um, community to be birthed in this place? Just a few people looking at the, the Bible together. Just simple Bible studies. So we try and strike up some conversations with the waiters. And um, the one person we get to speak to is open. And we're asking him, are oh, you a Muslim? And, and he says, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I don't know how he found himself in there. But we're basically, we were seeing um, the, one, uh, the one Christian in the whole Curry Mile, I think, working in this place we met. And we were praying for him, praying he'd be salt and light, that he would break open a door into this place for the gospel. Because, you know, light shines best in darkness. Yeah? And the message I'm going to be, well, the passage I want to look at is about Jesus walking and living and eating with those you would not expect him to eat with. Light shines best in darkness. It shows up best. And that is risky because what, was, what you see in that is that Christ in you, the hope of glory... The glory, the light, is greater than the darkness. The holiness in you is going to affect the world around you. The world's not going to get inside of us. We're going to get, the light's going to get inside of the world. We can't complain that the world is dark. That's its job. It's dark. It's a dark world, but we're meant to be light in these places. And we need to be thinking, I would propose to you, how we can reach into some of these dark places. And I believe God is raising up people to go into places that no one's gone into before. To pioneer new ways of sharing the gospel and discipling people. So I want to look at, uh, I'm going to just, I just want to look at Mark, just to make, make, mention this Mark 1 verse 14 and it's where Jesus goes into Galilee it's the start of his ministry and he just and he's proclaiming the good news and he says the time has come he said the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news I believe your time has come to preach the good news that's what I'm here to say today nothing else believe it your time has come to preach the kingdom of God the kingdom is near it's within reach it's not next week it's not next year it's not across town it's not in another church it's not another revival hotspot it's here and now it's in your workplace it's in the university the kingdom has come it's near it's within reach Today, I want to share that with you, that the kingdom is near. 
So I, um, I'm going to share um, a tool later just to maybe help us share the gospel because that's, I believe, what God wants to do. He wants to increase the shareability. You're ready to go. You're ready. I can see multiplication. Everything's ready to be going quickly, fast. Things go viral nowadays. They don't stay still. Things go viral. It's ready to go viral in this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is ready to go viral. So Luke 15, um, this is just a picture of the gospel. Lots of pictures of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Not just one. Jesus gave lots of stories, lots of insights of what the gospel is. So I'm not, say, I'm not saying this is everything, but I'm saying this is a picture. And it's a story. And the New Testament was built on simple stories that were shared quickly. Movements work well when they're easily shared. They're easy shared, they're reproducible. It's a story, it gets passed on, gets passed on, it's passed on. That's how it works. The New Testament, they didn't have the Bible in the first century. Yeah? They didn't. New Testament believers wouldn't have had the Bible yet. They would have been illiterate. It was stories, just they would have got saved on a scrap of revelation. Often we do, don't we? It's just a little bit. We just see a glimpse of the glory of God and it's enough to floor us. We just see just a bit of God's goodness. It's enough to take that next step in discipleship. So this is a simple story that Jesus tells and it's recorded in Luke 15. I'm not going to go read it all out. I'm just going to give a paraphrase. I'm going to try and get in the story. It's Jesus is with the tax collectors and the sinners. They're gathered around him. They're hearing him. And the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law muttered. And it says, they, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So that's the context. What is Jesus' ministry about? He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. They can't get their head around it. He should be in this context, in the, in the temple all the time. And he was in the temple, wasn't he? He was in the synagogues. But he was also in these places. You can't box Jesus in. I love him. I love him. He, you can't box him in. You can't say people want to monopolize Jesus. They want to brand Jesus. And he's too wild to be branded. He's too, he's just too, too big for that. He's too big even for our imaginations. I don't know if you've ever been lost. Have you ever been lost? I am... Um, um, it was a few months ago, I uh, lost my phone. This is like an iPhone. It's very valuable, cost a lot of money. You don't want to lose one. And um, I get, I um, run across the road, um, a, a bus route in Manchester. It's, a, it's the busiest bus route in Europe. So I run across the road, jump on the bus, and I'm like, and the bus starts set off. I'm like, oh, where's my phone? Oh no, I haven't got my phone. And I check my pockets. I don't know if you do this all that you like this. It's definitely not there. It's definitely not there. And um, I go one stop down, jump off the bus, run across the road, jump on another bus. I'm like, I've lost my phone. I've lost my phone. I've lost my phone. And I get the bus back. I get off at the bus stop. And I think, okay, when did I have it last? I had it in Sainsbury's, a supermarket. I look there quickly. And then I look and it's on the road. It's just on the road. And I see a bus driving over it. But the wheels didn't crush it, fortunately. And I run across and get it. But you know what? It's just a phone. It can be replaced. I've got insurance. But I tell you what, I was happy. I could have celebrated. I could have had a party there and then. When we, when we lose something and we find it, 
Don't we just celebrate? Don't we just celebrate? And that's just a phone. Now, can you imagine if you're a parent? Can you imagine if you lost your son or daughter? Well, I don't know if it's happened to you. It's never happened to me. But my, my friends said um, um, it happened to them recently. Just, just for a few minutes. Just for a few minutes. It's enough to get your heartbeat going. It's scary. This story, the gospel, the why and the what of the gospel is about a father who is searching for lost sons and daughters. That is the heart, I believe, of evangelism, of presenting the gospel. It is, and this is the story Jesus is telling. He's telling a story that gets right at the heart of who God is and what he wants. He wants his sons and daughters back in his home. So the story is there were two sons. This is familiar to you. I know this is familiar. The younger one, of course, asked for his inheritance. Uh, my dad's 76. We talk about, you know, we talked about him, you know, what he wants for his funeral and all those kinds of things. It's a bit morbid. But imagine if I said in that conversation, actually, Dad, can we push this conversation a little bit further now? We've talked about the funeral. I know what you want on your tombstone. We just push it another level. Is it all right if, we just, if, if I just had your, your inheritance now? Uh, your heart's a bit dodgy. You know, it would be better if you just dropped dead now because I want your money. Can you imagine that? How offensive, how disrespectful, how dishonoring. This is the story of a son who wanted his father dead. He wanted his father dead. He didn't want him in his life. And he goes off to a distant country, squanders his wealth in wild living. And after he spends everything, there's a severe famine in that country and he begins to be in need. So he goes out and hires himself out to a citizen and he, he actually works in a, a pig pen. Now, this is a Jewish audience. Pigs are like unclean animals. So that is a very filthy place to be for a Jew. To be eating it is to be another level. It's totally depraved. The Pharisees are listening in and thinking, this Jesus, actually, he's got it together. He's saying sin is not right, it's wrong. So the Pharisees are probably nodding at this point, thinking, yes, and he's going to be cut off and he's going he's to be cut off forever for this kind of sin. Now, this is what happens. It says he comes to a census, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to them, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he, here's the mentality, is he wants to become a servant. That's what he wants to go back. Now a lot of people, and I understand this is the moment of repentance, I'm not convinced this is the full moment of repentance. I think it's something coming later. It's when he is going back home. He's a long way off. He's rehearsing his speech. He's sorry. He's going he's, to just become a hired servant. And at this moment, the father sees him. The father sees the lost, you know. The father sees all of his children in Hauteng. 
All of his children in the universities. All of his children in Centurion. All of his children, the wealthy. He sees all of his children in poverty. He sees them all. And he's filled with compassion. He's filled. He's moved by in compassion. And while they're a long way off, his father saw them filled with compassion. He runs to his son. Now you've got to understand, running to your son would have, been an, would have been a very shameful thing to do. As a Middle Eastern man, they, were, they would have been very respectful figures. So he would have had to, he would have had a robe, he would have had to taken it up and started to run. And that would have been a shameful thing to show his legs in that culture. And he runs to his boy. And he throws his arms around him and kisses him. And in the literal wording, is, it's like he kisses him and kisses him and kisses him. Mwah, 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 mwah. He just can't stop kissing his boy. He's home. And it says, it says he threw his arms around him. And these, these words, throw, to throw his arms around him. Those words, we get the same words when we talk about Acts 2. When the Holy Spirit fell. It's the same falling upon it's a great picture of what God and the gospel is all about. It's about being adopted as sons and daughters. It's about the Holy Spirit coming and filling us up and recognizing, realizing we're no longer a servant, but we're a son. We're a son in the house. And that's why in this house it's great to hear how you want to raise up fathers. Because God wants to be a father through fathers. Amen? He wants to father through us. He wants to be our perfect heavenly father. He wants to father through us. He wants to teach us about fathering. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says, quick, and he puts on the robe and the ring, and he's basically reinstating him as a son. What a great picture of the gospel. The father shames himself before the village showing his legs running he shames himself so the son who was in shame could be free of it shame is different to just guilt guilt is what you do shame is who you are shame is this inside dynamic it's our identity thing and the gospel doesn't just change our behavior it changes us on the inside we become a new creation so why I'm sharing this is because I think evangelism and sharing the gospel, 99% of it is actually is the fire of God's love in each one of us. If it's inside of us, why wouldn't we want to share? Amen? Why wouldn't we want to share the love of God? Why wouldn't we want to share the, the joy, the peace of the Holy Spirit? The life of the Spirit, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. A life in God. Why wouldn't we want to share that? This is the gospel, a great picture of the gospel. And he reinstates him and he says, this son was lost and is found. I have to celebrate. He was lost and we know the second half doesn't finish there. There's an older son who's deeply offended at the younger son. Deeply offended actually at his father. And in reality, what the older, what the older son wants is not relationship with his father. He doesn't want that. He just wants his stuff. 
I love that we were worshipping this morning and it's just like we don't just want the blessing we want the blesser God bless oh my word God blesses us doesn't he he's so good to us he's so kind to us he's so gracious to us but it's him we want him the gospel is God that's the gospel that's it's not just what he's done it's who he is it's having him live inside of us and it leaves it and his father says my son you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and he's found and that's the reality in this nation, in, 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 in the, the campuses, in our workplaces. People are lost, and some of them are religious. And they're lost. They're lost. Religion's even worse, potentially. And there's those who are, are totally not religious, have no moral understanding, and they're lost. And God is a father who loves both sons. And through his life, he reveals true sonship. So why do we share? Because we've experienced the riches of God's grace. The gospel is about God's grace, his love. We need to reach both the lost sons. That's the why and the what of the gospel. I just want to share quickly just something of how we have been, what we've been learning about how to share the gospel. So I've just got a, a, um, a flip chart here and I just want to sketch something out for you. Leave something with you that might be helpful to think about in future, about how we can share the gospel. Should I do it down there, Paul? Yeah. So, um, myself and my wife and um, my friend and the family who we're planting with, uh, we've just been going out onto the streets. Um, we've been knocking on doors, inspired by Luke 10. Go house to house. Don't welcome you. Don't worry. Crack on. <laughs> Don't get offended. Be, re be strong, resilient. You know you're going to get rejected if you share the gospel. Amen? And that's why it's critical it's inside of you because we don't fear rejection, do we? We can't fear rejection if we're going to preach the gospel. But we've been going door to door. My wife did it just recently. And uh, we, we live in an area with thousands of students. And we're knocking on doors and we just simply ask them if they want prayer for anything. And then we, we, if there's opportunity, we share the gospel. And this is what I, I want to show you. Is there someone who can help me, Paul? Lanston. Great. Thank you, Lanston. Can we thank Lanston? So, normally, I just have like... I call, this is like napkin evangelism. So it's like if you've got a piece of paper on you. It's something simple. Two minutes. Share the gospel. Just really quick something really quick so I haven't done this a lot but this I thought this is out of my comfort zone doing this okay but the point of doing this now is that it's meant to be simple uh, so it's reproducible so everyone can do it so if you learn to do it you can pass it on quickly so you can get movement quicker yeah so the more seeds sown the more you share the gospel the more 
um, people will come into the kingdom of God. Amen? Yeah? So, um, so I, I would um, I just start by saying um, uh, I just start by knocking on the door or stopping someone in the street and you know say how's it brew? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Can I pray for you today? And just pray, pray blessing on your life. Pray for anything in your life that you need. No, no, I'm fine, thanks. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> See, Paul, I told you. <laughs> I need the right person. <laughs> okay, so I just pray for him. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful man. Um, thank you for his family. Bless him. Amen. Oh, great. Uh, can I just ask you a quick question? Do you f feel near or far from God? No. Now, do you feel near or far from God? Maybe somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle? Yeah. C can I just share with you a way that I came near to God? Something I can just quickly draw? Okay. Yeah? How long will it take? Though? It'll, it'll take one minute. Oh, okay. Just one minute. Okay. okay. <laughs> it, it takes two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can work that out. I'll let Paul work the theology of that out. Okay, I'm going to put this up here. So, in two in two minutes, I think some people they go on and on, but um, so Hebrew. I've just been down to Cape Town. It's hectic there. The students are burning stuff, um, and I've just noticed in this country things seem to be a bit broken. Um, things are a bit fractured, and you know what? It's not just here in this country. It's in it's in my country too. In England, there's 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 crazy things happening. M um, people are, 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 are there's violence on the rise, and and things seem to be broken. I just want to show you something. This is this is just a broken world. I don't know if you notice this is a broken world. It just is broken, and um, but I but what I've learned is that even though it's a broken world. Um, God didn't intend it that way. God, God actually, in, his intention was, he, he made things, it was a perfect design. And he, he made us to live in harmony with each other, with God. He, he loves us. He, he loves the world. And it's an old word, but the, the word that, keep, that actually explains w what's happened here, that we're not living this perfect, is sin. And, you know, I, I can see it all around me. And you know what I've realized is I can see it in me now. I've seen sin and I, whenever I try and escape this broken world, I seem to just, it seems to come back. I can't seem to escape. I seem to be trapped by it. And that's been my story. I've tried to escape through, I, I used to drink loads. I used to, used to work as hard as I can to make people happy with me. I never felt at peace. And what I found made me, made me near to God was was God's son, Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus is God's son. And a lot of people think God's really far away, but God's son showed us that. He came down from heaven to earth and he lived a perfect life. Um, and he died not for his sins, but, but, for, but for the world's sins, to wipe them free. And he rose again from the dead. He rose again from the dead. And I, and I realized once, actually, I can live, I can follow him, and I can have his life in me. And I realized as I turned, as I, I, just, I just turned and looked at him and, and looked at his life, and I started, I started to trust him when I looked at him, and I saw how amazing he was. And, and then I started to find myself receiving 
receiving his life in my life. And in that, I got a great sense of purpose, not to live for myself, but to actually go back and to live in this broken world, but with God at the start of it. God right at the center of it. So I'm just wondering, do you feel like you're in this, you're living this perfect design or this broken world? Yeah, oh, wow. We need to do an altar call today for one of your leaders. <laughs> well, so then I say, and then I can get to pray for him or get to carry on the conversation, however it goes from there. But yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for coming up. Great. Okay, so... So that, that's just a simple tool. Um, just to share. Nap, it's napkin evangelism. Just to, to do something that's reproducible. That's just one way. That's not everything. But it's finding ways we can share our testimony quickly, share the gospel quickly, and, and dialogue. I mean, it doesn't obviously work like that. But as you, you get into a conversation, and then we've got to share in people's houses, just one story quickly. We um, knocked on a door. Um, it was a Romanian family. They invited us in. We prayed for them. We shared the gospel and um, we said can we come back and and just look at this some more they said yes came back shared this three circles they had a daughter um, who's 12 13 loving it very easy to do she started to do it in a school she's sharing the gospel in a school uh, amongst many muslims and just it's because it's easy to rep reproduce and now we the, the this romanian family they invite the other romanian family across the road and the other and there's just a the seed of a church, the seed of a community, a kingdom community. And it's just finding those ways where we can reproduce the gospel quickly. Because if you've got the fire in your heart, that's great. The why is there. Now the how. How can we do this? How can we do it? How can we do some things that are going to reproduce really quickly? I'm going to finish with 2 Corinthians 5. And it's... It's from verse 17. Verses familiar to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Can we just say together, I have a ministry. I have a ministry. Every one of us has a ministry. Don't be looking for a ministry when you have a ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to everybody. We all have this ministry of reconciliation. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to share. Everyone gets to be involved. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors in verse 20. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He wants to use every one of you as an ambassador of reconciliation. What a great picture of the gospel in this nation. It's God's heart, it's his father's heart that many would come into the kingdom as sons and daughters. And I believe this is a place they'll be fathered, they'll be mothered. There'll be a place of family here, that it's not just evangelism, hit and run. They come into a kingdom community. Thanks for listening, guys. Amen.
Okay, while we're in an attitude of prayer, I'm just going to ask us to respond. It was a powerful message, but we need to respond. Amen.